Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone. I am so glad that you are here. We're going to have a lot of fun with this week's guest. I cannot wait to introduce to you this young woman, Samantha Capaldi. She's a phenomenal, brave woman. She identified what she wanted, was brave enough to chase it, and not settle for less, even when it got hard. She did it with a lot of faith, a lot of courage, and a big dose of sense of humor. I cannot wait for you to meet her. So let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone. Thank you once again for joining me today. And I have a treat for you. Uh, The young woman that is with me today, I am such a big fan of hers. I am so impressed with what she has done. But let me introduce you to her just a little bit here. I'm joined today by Samantha Capaldi, and she has started her own company at the tender age of 23, which anytime I say that out loud, I'm always so impressed and in awe of her. And let me just tell you what she has done. She has built her company from the ground up. She was brave enough to chase her passion in wine, and she started as a sommelier and a wine consultant. And she's grown that to be not only a national expert, but an international expert with clients all over the world. Today, she is also not only a sommelier and wine consultant, but she's also a a TV personality. And just here's some of the names of the outlets that she's been with. She's been on Good Morning America. She's been in the Oprah magazine. E! News and Pop Sugar. Guys, she's not even 30 yet. Like I said, I am so impressed with her, and I'm so excited to introduce you to her. Hang on tight. I am so excited because it is my pleasure and my honor to introduce to you Samantha Capaldi. Samantha, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome to the show. Thank you. That was quite the introduction. Got some goosebumps. I'm like, is she talking about me? <laughs> I'm totally it. talking about you because <laughs> you are amazing. I am so um, stoked to be here. Thank you so much. Samantha, um, I have been a fan of yours for quite a while. I was a fan of yours before I even knew who you were. And we'll we'll describe that in a minute because we're getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit. Uh, but Besides the introduction that I gave you, would you let us into your world and let us get to know you just a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to cut me off because sometimes I just keep rambling on my about me part. But I am based in Phoenix, Arizona. I grew up in Southern California. What brought me to Arizona was University of Arizona. went to college. Go Cats! I know. But uh, my husband, Nick, who I live with today in Phoenix, And after that, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of my backstory, but graduation, took the first job I could, which was at Yelp, Uh, learned pretty quick. I'm not too uh, hot in the corporate world, the nine to five cold calls. And instead of sticking it out, I decided to kind of search and see what was out there in the in the food and beverage industry, because that's always been an interest of mine. And that is what led me to my sommelier journey at 22, 23, and went to school to be a som. And I've been working in the wine industry ever since. I am 27 now. Like I said, guys, she's not even 30. And she's been in <laughs> the there. Oprah magazine. So I, like I said, I'm super excited to have her here. Samantha, thank you for letting us into your world and get to know you a little bit better. And let me explain to everybody why I've been your fan before I actually knew who you were. Um, it, this proves to everybody that this is a very, very small world. Um, 
Samantha's father-in-law is actually a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine. And he was telling me the story of his son's then-girlfriend, which is now his wife, told me this story about this young woman seven years ago. And he was telling me how impressed he was with this young woman that she acknowledged and recognized that corporate America wasn't for her. And she stepped out and took a huge leap of faith and started a, a business in wine at, at, like I said, a very young age. And I've heard Samantha's story for seven years. I then, unbeknownst to me, was introduced to Sam Somalier, which is what her account is on Instagram. And she and I happened to be participating with the same event. And she was part of the the cocktail hour for this virtual event. And there was this young woman named Samantha Somalier. And she was she was so funny. So when, as we get into it, Samantha is hilarious. And she refers to some drinkable wines as porch pounders, which if that doesn't, if that does not crack you up, nothing will. And I thought I've got to, I've got to follow this woman because she's a girl after my own heart. I can't, she's fun. She's down to earth. And, you know, I want to, I want to see where she goes. I actually invited who I thought was just this woman, Sam Somalier, to be on the show. Two weeks ago, I figured out that Samantha is indeed the young woman of which I have known about for seven years. It took me just haphazardly. She had posted a, a picture of her married last name. I freaked out, called her like a lunatic, called her father-in-law again like a lunatic and went, oh my gosh, I'm a fan of this woman already. I love her story. I've heard her story from you for seven years. And I've invited her on the show. Please tell her I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> so here, here we are. I, I That was a really long explanation is to tell you why I'm so excited for her to be here. Because I've heard her story from the beginning. And I'm so excited for her to share it with you. And Samantha, I do not want to steal your thunder. I just wanted to demonstrate to the audience how you have built a business brick by brick and you built it by stepping out in bravery and following your passion. So tell me why it, what compelled you at 22 to recognize that corporate America was not for you and you weren't even going to suck it up like a lot of us do and went, nope, this isn't good enough. I'm going to go chase this dream of mine and, and, and see where it goes. So I want to I want to hear that that story intimately because it just inspires me so much. Yeah, I mean, um, I think a lot of it was being really young and spontaneous <laughs> and not uh, being the the anxiety filled, you know, worry and adult that I am now. So I think that helped a lot uh, pull the trigger. But I will start out by saying in college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was undecided for as long as I could be. I just knew I needed to go to college. That was the right path, what everyone did, at least get my bachelor's, you know, follow those steps. Um, and I ended up just, you know, getting marketing, business marketing and public administration, a bachelor's degree. And to the point of graduation day, I was going to just go back home to Southern California and just live at home and be like, I'll figure out what I'm going to do, you know, and then I got a call from a job I randomly applied for because I was just, you know, throwing my resume out, you know, just in hopes I could get a job and not have to move back home. And Yelp is what contacted me first. They definitely like recruiting the youngins from from uh, close by colleges, you know, from Tucson to Phoenix. And I was like, all right, this seems like a cool job. They have like beer every Friday. They have pool tables. You know, they really reel you in with all those like, you know, pros of like the the young demographic, you know, working environment. 
Well, they so, knew they knew what their target audience was. They really did. They're like, so I'm like, this is just basically, you know, a continuation of college, but I'm going to get paid. <laughs> so that's how I saw it. You're so like, sign I, me up. I'm there. Yeah, really, that's how it went down. It, I, no, again, spontaneous, you know, didn't really think about it too much. I'm like, they could pay me what I need to live in Phoenix. You know, I got an apartment, took the job, started orientation and I'm not going to lie, I loved it the first few months. Orientation was a blast. Like, we were just these, like, young, um, basically didn't have to work. We would just have to listen and learn and, like, practice. And so, you know, all of that was awesome. And then it got down to, you know, reality, which is every day you show up, put on your headset, and you make, you know, 90-plus cold calls trying to make sales. And you either learn quickly that you're a good saleswoman in that type of environment or that's just not you. I learned really quickly. I'd get my talk time chatting about the uh, the business owner's family, their life, personal things. I would just be talking to them like a friend and my manager would come by and like mute my mic and be like, what are you doing? Make the sale. And I'm like, that is James. You're being rude. You're cutting him off. <laughs> and I ended up getting like a bunch of contacts just to be friends with, you know, outside of Yelp um, and just started building connections really quick. I'm a very friendly person. I like to talk to people. I like to meet them. I don't have like an underlying reason to getting to know them. I like asking personal questions just to get to know them on a deeper level. So that wasn't the right environment for me. I didn't believe that every business owner needed to have Yelp as an ad platform, right? So I wasn't passionate about it. And it more inspired me working there that I wanted to own my own business. It actually wasn't so much wine and food that was calling me. I didn't really know that at the time. It was like, wow, like maybe I could see myself, you know, opening a restaurant, you know, and just thinking about it that way. So I ended up just talking with a lot of the connections I made through that job of entrepreneurs and getting, you know, insights from them. And then it led me to a connection from college of two young women who actually did the program I ended up doing in Northern California. It was at the International Culinary Center of Campbell, kind of a mouthful. There's one in Campbell, California, and one in New York. And it's mainly a culinary chef program um, school to go to. But they did have an intensified sommelier training program. I didn't even know what sommelier was. So like, I went, looked up all the research, and was like, oh, this is to become like an expert on wine. So on paper, it looked, you know, amazing as it sounds. It really did. And I looked it up. It was, you know, three and a half, four months long. I'd have to quit my job, move over to Northern California, run out of place in a very expensive city and just go for it without even knowing if I would be good at it because not to, you know, make myself sound bad. I really at that time felt like I wasn't good at anything. You know, I, I didn't have a calling like most people that I was friends with, like knew they wanted to work in the health field, you know, or law and all of that. And I was just like, I don't know. I like to talk. <laughs> I, I'm outgoing. I, I don't really know what that could help me with as far as the career. But anyways, um, my spontaneous self decided to take out the money that I had saved throughout that time and see if it was enough to do the program. It was. And as far as being able to afford my time out there, I got a side job as I was going to school. So it was kind of just like being back in school again, um, working part time and then going to be what I wanted to be, you know, a sommelier, a wine expert. So I told Nick, I was dating him at the time, obviously. And he's like, do what you got to do, Samantha, like, want you to be happy, go for it. Really supportive. I don't think a lot of significant others would be cool with their girlfriend moving to a different state and living with three other men. Um, I had to live. With you did what? Uh, yeah, you did what? <laughs> I had to live with three young chefs, aspiring chefs mm -hmm. who were going um, into the culinary program. It was just at random who you lived with on, you know, what room you could afford. At the end of the program, there was about nine of us in this one. It's a small program. And I was the youngest. Everyone was between 30 to 50. Everyone was trying to do kind of like a second career move or expand their knowledge because they were already in the industry. I was the only one in the class that had no prior food and beverage industry besides hosting a little bit of waitressing throughout high school and college. So that was um, an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage was I went in without any prior knowledge, so a clean slate. So however they taught me how to serve 
decant, open things, all of that. I was, you know, just new to it, learning. First of all, Samantha, you were, even though you say that you were one of the youngest, I would argue and say, regardless of your your level of experience, you still had enough personal uh, fortitude, I will put it that way, and enough confidence in yourself to take a giant leap of faith. You quit your job, you moved to California, you jumped into, into this world of wine and beverage with both feet, and you were already thinking that you wanted to own your own business at 22. At 22, I was just, you know, figuring out what to what to do when I graduated from college and and knowing that I couldn't move back home and I got to find a job just to pay the bills. I would not have thought of of uh, a career change. I would not have thought of uh, starting my own business. I wouldn't have started thought of any of that. And you, like I said, had the the strength and of, of self to recognize what you were good at, what you weren't, and go chase what set your soul on fire. That is what excites me because you were so brave. I don't even know if you realize how brave you were to step out of what could have been very easy for you to just hang out in and exist. So what what do you think about when you know, people like myself say, I think you're amazing and you're brave. What, what is your thought when you're like, yeah, but you know, this was, I was destined to do this. I couldn't think, you know, there was nothing else I could do, but this. Yeah. I think it's taking me as I've gotten older to realize looking back how, you know, impressive that was at the time to take that risk when, a lot of my peers just stuck in, you know, the norm, um, you know, afraid to get outside of their comfort zone and, you know, switch those career paths. So yes, now I definitely see it. But I think because I lived through so many of the ups and downs and just really lows of taking that leap, I I think I like, you know, kind of take it all with a grain of salt where, you know, I don't think I would do anything differently. I think it all needed to happen that way that it did. But throughout the years to get to where I'm at and to give me that amazing introduction that you did, it's just been a really rocky road. And I feel like a lot of people just reading my story, it's highlights, obviously, for most people. It's all your highlights, your your highs of your highs. Um, but I live through the lows. So um, thank you. I recognize, like, you know, the, the amount of strength and, you know, um, all that that it took to go do it. But... Uh, flashing forward to after I passed my program, thankfully, um, at that young age, I was left with the with now that like, gut feeling of like, okay, I did it. But what's game plan now? Like, what am I going to do for work? And I was in that really tight decision of do I stay in wine country? Like, why wouldn't I stay here? Like, this is where endless jobs are, you know, I this is where the magic's happening. But Nick's in Phoenix, you know, I already left him for three and a half months. And do I do we just keep doing long distance? So a lot of uncertainty there. Long story short, I almost did stay. I got a pretty decent job offer and, and decided last minute Nick was more important to me. So then I came back to Phoenix with no job, just having, you know, Nick taking care of the rent, you know, while I was like scouting out, looking at everything. Because in Phoenix and Scottsdale, even just, you know, those four or five years ago, you know, it's not big on Psalms, you know, the wine industry, especially like young women sommeliers, you know, my pretty much my only options were working in the restaurant industry. But usually they they that takes years to, to build up and be a Psalm in a restaurant, even if you have the credentials, you can't just walk in and be like, I want to be the wine director if you've never even worked for them before, right? Just like corporate. You build your way up to get the position that you want. So, well, newsflash: in case people don't know this, here in Phoenix, this is not a culinary mecca unless it's Mexican food. Yeah, and then and then you're good. So, and Samantha is in the world of wine, and and those that's 
fine dining. That's not to say that we don't have fine dining here. It's just not as prevalent as if she had stayed in Northern California, where there is a fine dining uh, restaurant on every corner. So your options were all of that wineries. Yeah, right. Your options were limited, more limited here. So it took yet another leap of faith to come back and say, I'm going to make whatever I happen, happen here. Right, exactly. And, you know, most people didn't even know what a psalm was, you know. And so, you know, that going into the pros and cons, it ended up working in my advantage because uh, in, you know, Napa Sonoma, it's so saturated. You know, if I were to start my own in-home private wine tasting business there, I would be one of a thousand doing that in Phoenix, you know, maybe one of 10. You know, I quickly learned there weren't too many psalms, especially my age and women. So that was a big pro. So as I, you know, got back to Phoenix and was settling in, I took multiple jobs. I worked, you know, serving. I didn't go straight in um, as a wine director or a song. Like I was saying, I just went in as a normal server, being trained from the ground up. I took, you know, second, third jobs at, you know, tasting rooms and just trying to get, you know, enough of that income to make ends meet while still getting different experience in each part of the industry. And no regrets there. I am really grateful. I learned what I liked and what I didn't. I quickly learned I'm not the best suited psalm for um, like Michelin star dining. I'm just a little too klutzy and outspoken. And, you know, I that's just not my style. I'm not I'm not the best with that. I could barely pronounce English words correctly when I'm talking really fast, <laughs> let alone a big fancy French Italian wine. And I and I own up to that. I'm not good at it. It took me a while to realize that. But now I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I'm like, whatever, that's just not my strength is serving, being really, you know, classy and proper, you know, presenting it to people. So I'm glad that I learned how to do it. I'm glad I experienced it. So no regrets there. But um, yeah, those years were tough because I wasn't making nearly enough money to live the type of lifestyle my friends were living, you know, being able to afford rent. Phoenix at the time is supposed to be cheap, right? More than California. Everyone was going out, going on vacations because they had PTO. I didn't have health insurance. I didn't have PTO. Anytime I took an hour a day off, that's me not getting any money. So it was me following my passion, but there was a lot of really just sad, frustrating days because I didn't know how long I could keep this up. You know, in my head, I'm like, how long do I want to be poor for? You know, how long do I want to, is this going to take for me to get to a level where I am my own business? And, you know, while I was working those restaurant jobs, that's when I was starting to help myself feel better, my own business, my personal food and wine blog and my in-home private tasting business. So that was kind of my saving grace where I was, you know, really upset. I had all these different jobs and was like scrubbing toilets and in, in the winery and stuff like that. But I also had my own business that was my name, my LLC, and that made me really excited and gave me hope. You know, I invested in a website, made, um, you know, all the photography, you know, really high end professional and just went full throttle into it instead of just messing around and saying, maybe I'll get this, maybe I'll do that. I just went for it, took out a business credit card and went all in because I'm like, if I'm going to do it, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right. So you had mentioned earlier about the stuff that was the hard stuff in building your business and building it to be successful. And and you're, this is the hard stuff that you're, that you're telling us about. I mean, this is the hard stuff that, that you don't put on your, on your press packet. Mm -hmm. This is the hard stuff that, you know, that isn't necessarily easy for everybody to hear that you did, you grinded through it. You humbled yourself and you put in a lot of hard work to to develop to the position that you're at now. But I think what the important part that you are bringing to the to surf, the surface, that with, with the bad, you also balanced it with the good mm-hmm. of focusing on your business and your vision and what you want it to look like. And I think that it's important that you're bringing out that to have a successful business and chasing your passion isn't always easy that the road is not paved with roses and butterflies it is hard it is really hard humbling and like you said you had some dark days um what were some of the humbling lessons that you learned along the way to uh building your business 
yeah, a lot, <laughs> way too much to talk <laughs> about. But yeah, I feel like um, one of the biggest ones that I remember throughout those years is wanting to throw in the towel, even after I was, you know, getting booked for private tastings, was growing a pretty good online presence. I still felt like I wasn't, you know, where I was at for whatever my age at the time, comparing my, you know, 24, 25, you really get caught comparing yourself to other people because that's when your friends really start advancing in their careers and their jobs. Well, when you're 49, you still do that. Still, (laughs) I've learned that everyone is always trying to figure out what they want to do. No one has it all together. And, you know, that is... That is why I'm a brand mentor today is to cut the the BS and tell people that even the people who look like they have it all together, um, they're still trying to figure out what they need to do better, what they need to do differently. That's never going to stop, especially being an entrepreneur. You know, that's always something you're dealing with. But I just feel like I was really thankful to get involved with a lot of supportive other entrepreneurs in the Valley. Scottsdale is like an amazing place of entrepreneur women that really just want to see everyone grow. And I ended up doing a lot of collaborations. Um, To give you an example, with like beauty studios, like the Sparkle Bar in Old Town Scottsdale. Um, The owners there, uh, Leah and Alex, were so unbelievable to me and made um, me feel so welcomed as a young, you know, small business. I would go do wine events when they were doing, you know, makeup, you know, tutorials and all of that, giving out my business cards. And some things, of course, were free or like barely paid because you got to do what you got to do to put your name out there. And I think that's what really shift things around for me where I'm like, you know, there's other people who are struggling like me, but they're positive and like they're giving me, you know, the inspiration that I could do this too. So I think just like when you're in corporate and you have coworkers to vent to, I didn't have anyone to vent to that was an entrepreneur until I started opening myself up to networking events and other people in the area. And then I was able to get a community of people who understood what I was doing. Not that my friends and family weren't supportive, but no one really understood what I was dealing with trying to grow a business by myself. I think that's important that you say that, that you surrounded yourself with a community that was supportive. Yeah. I think that I think that, that is an, an incredibly important point that you mentioned that on your road to entrepreneurship, first of all, it's very lonely. There aren't there aren't a whole lot of people out there doing what you want to do, but you surrounded yourself with other entrepreneurs, maybe not in the same manner that were an entrepreneur that you were, but at least had some sense of what you were going through to help support you in your endeavors and maybe even encourage you when you're like, should I keep doing this? Should I give up? You know, what should I do? I'm sure that what they said to you was keep going. You might all almost be there. You just don't know it. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, also them being transparent was really nice, too, where even though they had beautiful shops and looked like they were booked like crazy, they would open up and be like, hey, I'm in this much debt. And not that that was like made me feel better. But like, in a way, I'm like, well, then I'm not, you know, off base here. Like, it's not crazy that I'm in debt right now, that I am not crazy booked and all of that. And it's just it's what happens as you grow. And again, you know, I won't focus so much on the on the lows, but I feel like I like to say this stuff because so many people look at me and my socials and are like, I'm so jealous of your life. Like all you do is drink wine. And like, I'm so thankful. Yes. Like that is part of what I do is sip wine and teach people, but that is definitely like a small, small ounce of what my days look like, um, behind, behind the scenes. And throughout the years, I've learned to be more and more open and transparent about what it takes to be an entrepreneur because I was getting pretty tired of people thinking it was a walk in the park. And instead of making people feel bad about themselves and like, why can't they do it? I wanted to teach them that you can, but this is what it takes, which is why um, when you go onto my social media, you pretty much get who you get. Like, this is me. This is Sam. A few years ago, no, you would have thought I was this really introverted, reserved, classy, you know, sommelier working in Scottsdale. And I've learned, you know, throughout the years that that's not who I want to portray. I want to portray who you get in person, who is online and, you know, help other people do that. And all these 
ups and downs and, you know, horrible days and amazing days that I still experience today, I love to be able to wrap that up into a my own blueprint and help other aspiring, you know, business owners, bloggers, all of that to to just go, just go for it. And, you know, when I say go for it, don't half-ass it. Like <laughs> if you gotta uh take a little bit of a pay cut and can't do something that you normally would do that month, like that's part of it. Like you have to invest, you know, to start your podcast. You gotta get a mic, you gotta get uh the recorder, you gotta pay for the software is you can't just expect it all to happen for you. You know, when people are like, Sam, how do you have so many followers on Instagram? I'm like, well, I've had this Instagram since 2011. So I've been growing it for very, very long. And almost 10 years. And I've been doing uh, a lot, a lot of things, working with other brands and people and networking and, you know, all of that to, to get to it. And it's a lot. So again, a lot of entrepreneurs choose to keep things to themselves because they're so busy you know, trying to build their own services and whatnot. And I decided I don't want to keep it all to myself. I wish someone would have held my hand and told me all the good, bad, and the ugly at the beginning. And I probably would be even further than I am now if I had that mentorship. So I'm I'm really thankful to to not only offer things in the wine industry and make wine fun and approachable, but also be someone's, you know, friend, mentor, uh, business strategy coach to help them get to where they want to be. Because it took a while for me to say this, but there there is no competition. We all can offer our own unique strengths because we don't all have the same personality. You know, half of my brand clients are actually doing virtual tastings. They're doing literally the same thing I'm doing. And the reason that doesn't scare me is they're going to book who they're going to book. I'm going to book who I'm going to book. We all are different. We're all going to be different um, people's cup of tea. And as long as we share that on our website, on our socials, you know, we're very transparent with our personalities. I'm going to get the bookings I want, right? I don't want anyone really stuck up and just like gonna gonna be mad if I throw out like a cuss word here and there like that's not my style of booking I need laid back people who just want to have a fun night learn a thing or two about wine and just feel heard and relaxed well like I said I had you had me at porch pounder yeah and I was able to I was rolling I was rolling I was laughing so hard I was like I don't know who this girl is but I want to follow her because she's so down to earth and so transparent transparent and normal absolutely normal with how she presents wine and that it is approachable um and that's one of the things i think that people are drawn to you is because you are completely transparent on your social platforms not everybody can say that that because social media is an illusion it's a complete illusion people present what they want to present you present your entire person, your entire personality, the good days and the bad days, because you put it all out there. I've seen it. Um, I, I've seen it when you put celebrations out there. I've seen it when you say, I have a, I'm having a really tough day. But that, I think, is, is um, something that is completely relatable and is what draws people to you. Because, yes, wine can be this separator, and it shouldn't be. Because it's, you know, it's thousands and thousands of years old and it was a replacement for water for a really long time. Um, and you just, like I said, you just boil it down to earth and and make it totally fun and casual. And it, like I said, you're you're so fun to watch. Um, tell us a, tell us a little bit about a virtual wine tasting, what your version of virtual wine tasting is. Um and, and what the what that looks like, because I, I definitely want to send people your way. And I think that people are going to listen to this and go, I, she sounds fun. I'm definitely going to do a tasting with her. So what is it? What is it like to do a tasting with you? Yeah, I feel like I do them so much now that I'm like, I, I can't even do it. How do I explain it now? I feel like it's like my normal day to day. But yeah, for people that have not done one, I know it's uh, very intriguing and you're not sure what to expect. So basically how it works is we do it through Zoom. So it's face-to-face. I do as small of a group or as large of a group, depending on what the occasion is. You get to choose what style tasting you want to do. So I have a lot of suggestions, like all bubbly, Italian, French, 
all reds, whites, um, the Pacific Northwest, new world versus old world regions. So I make it very much um, easy for you to kind of shop around and see what you like. And then, of course, we could do custom tastings where you're like, Sam, I really want to learn about Greece. I'll be like, great, let's put a wine list, you know, according to that up. So um, very, very customizable, which is great when you're a small business and I'm the only one doing the tasting. So I'll make it work for however you want. And what I'll do is send you my preferred local wine shop that has all these bundles already prepackaged and ready to go and could be shipped to um, most states throughout the U.S. So you could choose to go that route for my clients who rather not get it online or in person, they'd rather prefer that or they're international, then you would send me your preferred shop, I would pick out the wines for you. So I'll make sure everything is picked out for you, no matter where you purchase the wines. And then what I do is send you over um, the Zoom link, obviously, to enter into the tasting, tasting grids. So uh, these intimidating looking wine tasting grids that I break down that won't scare you at all that I had to use when I was studying wine. And I basically tell you why we learn these terms, because some people in the wine industry are a little snobby. So I help you handle those people with this grid. And we go through this tasting. And then I give you guys some pairing suggestions because Audra knows I'm all about the easy pairings. I have like a whole chip and wine pairing guide, pizza and wine, Girls, it's hilarious. Like, it's like, so funny. Like showcasing, I'm eating really well over here, drinking a lot of wine. Um, I just like it to be easy. I can't stress that enough because I'd be lying to myself if I was giving you elaborate food and wine pairings like a rack of lamb in Bordeaux. Because at night, I'm lucky if I get a block of cheese and a bottle of wine. So, <laughs> and usually cheese at and Pinot is like my my pre dinner snack. So I like to keep <laughs> it easy. And of course, if anyone wants more you know, curated uh, pairings, I 100% will provide that if they're if they're little chefs and want to make a good meal. I got it up in the brain, but it's not what comes out automatically. So depending on what you're looking for. And then a few other just fun little wine resources, you know, a guide, tasting mat, I just like to send, you know, lifetime access to these really um, approachable digital materials. So you're able to download all of those, print them out if you wish to make it feel like you're actually add a tasting with your mat and your grids and all of that. The tasting's about an hour, hour 15. And I will say if you've ever done a tasting like at a winery, it's not like that because at a winery, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love going wine tasting like that. They're biased of their wine, right? They're trying to get you to enjoy their wine, tell all the good things about it. With me, I didn't make the wines that we're serving. So if we have to get real and you don't like the wine, it's a safe space. And that's what's so fun is you get to learn what you like and dislike about the wine in a safe you know, environment with a psalm so that when you are out and about shopping for wine at a shop, a restaurant, winery, you're just able to have more confidence in what you like instead of someone telling you what you like. Because at the end of the day, wine is just meant to be enjoyed with people that you love. And it's supposed to be fun, obviously appreciate what goes into it. But if you want to drink $5 barefoot with your friends, I do that. You know, I'm a happy, I'm happy as a clam drinking $5 barefoot by the pool during the summer with my girlfriends at 27. But of course, I'm going to appreciate a $200 Bordeaux that a winemaker has given me, right? So I just believe there's a time and a place for wine and no one should make you feel or belittle you for what you enjoy. As long as you're open-minded to new wines, you can go drink your boxed wine, your canned wine. I'm still slapping the bag. Like I I just, I accept it all, you know, in all forms and just want people to know that and not be, not be scared of alcohol. <laughs> you just would be scared of alcohol, not yeah. feeling like you don't know enough. <laughs> you make it fun. You Like I said, you make it fun, make it approachable. You you remove the embarrassment of, I don't know enough. Um, you just, like I said, you make it down to earth and you're like, okay, you don't like this. You don't like this. Moving on. Yep. Now, now you know what you like. Yep. <laughs> what are your favorite porch pounds? First of all, I, I know I've referred to this a couple of times, but I want you to I'll tell, tell, everybody I'll tell everybody what a porch pounder yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten to my attention that it can mean other things. So to me, a porch pounder wine means something that is easy drinking not super high alcohol and doesn't necessarily need food to taste good. So think of a wine you want to just like, you know, these days we're watching Netflix binge and TV shows on the couch, want to just have a nice, easy drinking wine. That's a porch pounder. You know, take uh, come summer, 
right? The one you want to be drinking, you know, nice and chilled by the pool, uh, out on the patio with your friends by a barbecue, just those really easy sippers. And when it comes to the alcohol percentage, the reason I touch on that is a lot of the red wines I love and gravitate towards are on the higher side of alcohol. And we wonder, you know, why do we feel worse when we drink these in the sun or, you know, uh, the whole bottle? And I'm like, well, it was probably the percentage, right? So as we get, um, to give you a guideline, about 14%, that's getting into the high alcohol range, which that is just the case for a lot of Cabernet Sauvs, Merlots, Malbecs. So when I'm looking for porch pounders, doesn't mean they can't be red wines, but I'm trying to vet out wines that stay under 14 and are still, you know, easy drinking, all of that. So some examples, obviously, I got to say rosé, you know, summer water. Provence-style French rosé is probably one of my favorites. You could pop it to any local grocery store, you know, and have an amazing selection of really great priced um, French-style rosé. And it's delicious on its own. It's usually low to medium alcohol, and it's great for food pairings. You know, you could pair it with almost any cheese, any snack, it could go with a burger, it could go with an oyster. So it's very, very versatile. Another porch pounder I talk about is like Prosecco or Cava. So Prosecco is Italian sparkling wine. I mean, I've seen bottles as low as like 9%. So it's like everyone get a bottle, you know, because anything below 12.5 is pretty low. So I love those, you know, come gatherings when we could all get together during the holidays. I'm the person in the family making sure everyone's glasses fill to the brim. So I'm not the only one drinking and getting drunk. We're all <laughs> drinking and getting drunk. And you're not going to get, you know, passed out, you know, in an hour from like a big, bold, heavy wine. So bubbles are always a good option to have on hand all year round. Um, Cava is a Spanish sparkling wine, budget friendly and really similar in style to a classic champagne, which could be a little bit more expensive. So I always tell people to look out for Cava. Um, there's one called Poema, P-O-E-M-A, that I always recommend to people they could find locally. Um, I recommend so many wine pairings on my socials. So just take a look at all my highlight reels. And I got so many different wines and pairings, Trader Joe's wine guides, total wine, wine guides, everything there for your resources. Um, and then getting into the red porch pounders, because we always think reds can't be those really approachable, easy drinking. They can. I mean, certain Pinot Noirs, a Pinot Noir I'm hooked on right now is uh, Spade and Sparrows, Caitlin Bristow. I mean, that's another grateful um, opportunity that came my way as I work under Speed and Sparrows. I'm Caitlin Bristow's song. So I've been drinking a lot of her wines, which are all classic style porch founders. She has a rosé, Pinot Grigio, and the Pinot Noir, which I love, that stays under that 14%. Um, and a fun French wine people uh, tend to forget about is Beaujolais. So that's the Gamay grape. There's a lot of really budget-friendly Beaujolais that you could get that are really light, easy drinking, bright red fruits, strawberries, raspberries, currants, a little bit of baking spices, serve it nice and chilled. And it's like one of my favorite go-to red wine approachable um, porch founders. You, you just made me excited for like five o'clock. This is like, this sounds like so much fun. Yeah. I, like I said, you boil everything down to make it feel fun and approachable and normal and, you know, and not intimidated at all, which is why, like I said, I was drawn to you in the first place and knowing your backstory was just, just icing on the cake for me. Yes. I am so appreciative of you being here and sharing just a little bit of your story and sharing a little bit about your business. We're going to have you back again and probably towards the, uh, towards the summer and you can give us your 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 top 10 um favorite wines for the heat here in in arizona because you we'll know, need that you know, <laughs> yeah we need that so I'll definitely bring you back because this is so fun to have you here um but before i let you go i ask everybody some questions towards the end because uh, sometimes it's just simply for my amusement so <laughs> are you are you ready I'm ready okay samantha Number one is, what's your superpower? <laughs> I'm so bad at these random questions. Um, <laughs> superpower is probably making people laugh um, in times where they feel like they don't need to or they can't. I think that's a, an amazing superpower because if any, if we need anything more of, 
is laughter because yeah, I don't think anybody right can now. say, yeah, especially right now, no one's going to say, you know what? I've laughed way too much today. Exactly. So, exactly. so I, I love your superpower. My next question for you is probably a little bit harder because it stumps everybody. I am trying to remove the stigma of asking for what you need. Women are terrible at communicating as to what they need, what they really need. And Samantha, you have an entire community that's listening to you and somebody somewhere might hear what you need and be able to provide it to you. So what is it that you need? Oh, God. I, I, yeah, I'm everybody has that response, that reaction. Yeah. Um, like for my business? For anything. For anything. Okay. Can I give one personal and one business thing? Yes, you okay. can. Uh, personal, I would love recommendations in Phoenix and Scottsdale for um, like an allergy test doctor, like whoever specializes in that. I know that it could be expensive. So um, I don't know anywhere, preferably Phoenix or Scottsdale. I know someone gave me something for Mesa Gilbert. Try not to go that far. I don't like driving. That would be awesome. Uh, definitely you've been having some weird allergic reactions and I usually just like, yeah, I'll be fine, but I feel like I should probably see what it is. <laughs> so yeah, might be, die one day. <laughs> Nick is might be a good idea, especially since um, you're in wine and food. Might might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, so that would be helpful. But if they tell me I can't drink wine or eat cheese, then I'm going to still have the allergic reaction. So that is what it, the, 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 it's going to be. But uh, for the uh, professional, um, oh. I would love a small business accountant. I would love a small business accountant. I'm looking for a new one um, locally in Phoenix or Arizona to help with um, taxes. Well, hopefully somebody will hear this and be able to help you. Because probably I one think- of your, your uh, podcast uh, guests probably like would be one of those people. So hopefully that happens. You, but you never yeah. know. Like I said, I've met. I'm having people ask for what they need because we have an entire community that somebody out there might know. Yeah. So I love that. Let's give everybody the opportunity to do that. Um, My last question is that, and I ask this all the time because we have an entire audience of, of book readers. We, that is one of the things that we, most of us have in common is that we love books. Um, Maybe we're just an audience full of nerds and I'm totally okay with that. So, what book do you think that everybody should read? doesn't matter what kind of book. It could be any book. I'm going to give two. I think if anyone's curious on a really funny, approachable journey through the wine industry, basically a book I wish I could write. If I was a writer, it's called Cork Dork. That's a book I read often. It's about a young woman uh, talking about all her experience throughout the wine world, the good and the bad and the ugly while giving um, just some awesome, you know, tips along the way. And ooh, another one, again, it's wine re- related, sorry, but I love it because you'll see why Big Macs and Burgundy, it has over 200 different wine pairings, all different. And it's, you know, obviously more of the junk food related and some more, you know, high end, but really, really fascinating. And gives a lot of reasons why and tips and uh, tidbits on how to pair wine and food. Now you know why I love this girl. (laughs) (laughs) I like how those are the two that came to me, not like inspirational books or like anything like that. They don't have to be. They they don't have to be. You know, we don't always have to be completely serious on this podcast because, like I said, no one is going to say, I've not, I've laughed too much today. Yeah. Sometimes so, I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't read another inspirational book. I need to just read something lighthearted and fun. And yeah. So those are my two recs for anyone who needs to spruce it up a little bit. If you're reading a lot of serious stuff, there you go. Yeah. You, you need, a, if you need a little, a little levity in your life, mm-hmm. read one of those. Cause those sound hilarious. Cork dork. I, that, that sounds awesome. Um, before I let you run, I want to give you an opportunity to leave a last thought or a last statement with the audience. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I guess it would be um, whoever listens to this. I would love to connect with you. Please don't hesitate to reach out through email, DM, even text. I'm just super, you know, approachable. You could talk to me about anything. 
I would love if you guys uh, followed along with my Instagram and my blog. I'm very, very passionate in building my Samantha Sommelier community and take every every opportunity very seriously and just want everyone to learn a lot and have fun. So if I could say anything, I just hope you join the Samsung family and reach out and ask me whatever you need. Where can we all reach you? Um, my Instagram is Samantha Sommelier. And that leads you to my email, which is sam at samanthasomelier.com and my website, which has everything that is just samanthasomelier.com. So I keep it really easy. That is where you could find me. Well, everybody, make sure you take advantage of reaching out to her. Uh, Perhaps book a tasting with her because it sounds like a really good time. And if we're going to all be stuck at home still for a while, you might as well hang out with Samantha for an hour. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's a, I promise you, it's a good time and you won't stop laughing. Uh, Samantha, again, I appreciate you so much for being here. Thank you for, sh- for sharing your story, giving us a few laughs, and also sharing with us some some great options for for alcohol. So great. Thanks so much for that. I I do, in all seriousness, I do appreciate you being here. Thank you again so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. It it was fun. Like I said, we're going to bring you back towards the summer so you can give us a list of drinkable wines so we don't get sick in the heat. Yes, looking forward to it. (laughs) Thank you all again for listening and we'll see you again next time. And that's a wrap. Thank you all so much for being here. I can never give you enough gratitude because without all of you, none of this is possible. I am still always in awe that my guests are volunteering to be so bold in their vulnerability. So thank you for continuing to do that. And to my audience, audience isn't the right word to describe you. So to you, I thank you. You are a community. So thank you for being a part of this community and thank you for helping to nurture it and make it grow. And of course, you know, I have this incredible team behind me that helps me produce this every single week. For Savannah, Alan, Jessica, Tina, Tisha, and my son, Gavin, thank you so much for believing in me, believing in my mission and continuing to help grow the Women in the Arena podcast. Thank you all so much for being here, and we'll see you next week. I am so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me, and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.